0: Wow. There's really nothing to do here, wherever here is. You'd think that I would just be re-watching these back to back to back. I can't believe they make me wait a week every single time just to record something.
1: Hey, it's the human. Hello. How are you? You're so small. Um, I'm sorry? Oh, you're you're doing this thing, aren't you? Are you oh are you recording now? Oh I'm so sorry. Oh, have I interrupted the recording.
0: No, actually there's there's nothing to watch at the moment. I'm still waiting for the clip to roll up. I'm sorry, who are you? Oh,
1: I've, I've just come from the party. I'm I'm a little bit drunk. <laughs> and uh, i was, I was trying to find the in the black hole bathroom. The black hole, what bathroom? What? Oh, oh,
0: you're you're one of the Q. You're one of the gods. I didn't even know Qs could get
1: drunk. I'm not a Q, silly. <laughs> oh, you mortal creatures, you're so funny sometimes. No, no, I um, I'm one of those uh, those uh, creatures you call um, I think you call them. Pirates, pirates, pirates. It's a funny word, isn't it? Par Hmm. rolls off the dimensional tongue. (laughs) Dimensional.
0: (laughs) Um. Look, can I help you? Do you need to get back to where you're going?
1: Oh, don't worry. I'll find the bathroom myself. Absolutely fine.
0: Hey, parrot, parrot, come back here. One of the Metrons is, like, sipping antimatter out of his belly button. It's really funny. Come on back.
1: Oh, there I am. I'm being called back. You enjoy your watch time. It's so good watching you, watching this, watching that, and then recording it, and then we get to listen to it. It's so funny. It's so funny. Okay. um, I'm going to go back to the party now. Bye. <coughs>
0: What on earth is actually going on here? Q, can I talk to you, Q? Hello? The next clip is about to start. Here we go again. Space-time, the ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second and contemplate every eon. From outside time, to the big bang, All the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Temporal Trek Podcast. This is Season 1 and we are on Episode 6. We are now in the early 1500s as far as Earth history is concerned. Because we are in Season 6 of Voyager Dragon's Teeth. We are going to be watching the clip from Timestamp, 0 minutes, 0 seconds. It's a first for the podcast. We actually start the clip at the very start of the episode, so no real lining up. You just need to find the episode and press play, and we will begin shortly. Now, the time frame for this is actually given outside of the clip. Uh, Another character is giving it to us, but we do now know what the time period is. It's 900 years in the past from the time of Voyager. So that's roughly the 1500s. Now, what was happening during the 1500s? Let's see. As I've said before, trying to do the research for this, certain regions of the world are harder to find facts out about than others. Uh, So I've tried to break it down into regions around the world. It gets a little harder, especially at this point, as the world seems to be changing technologically to become far more interconnected. So the history does sort of overlap. I'm going to start with Europe, uh, because that's where I am, so it kind of helps me uh, get through this. Uh, In Europe, just two decades earlier, we have the invention of the Gutenberg printing press. You start to have information passed around the world at a much faster rate. You are no longer relying on monks in a monastery hand-copying notes and letters and books and having to produce maybe one every couple of years you could now make hundreds of books in a matter of days and then have them distributed around the world. Information has just exploded. It is likable to uh, the explosion of the internet, having uh, information at your fingertips for something like this. So I could actually research history uh, for this podcast. Uh, The Gutenberg Press is the internet of its age. So that's about 20 years before this period of time happened. So now we're starting to see things speed up in terms of history. Vasco de Gama from uh, Portugal uh, sets off and completes his voyage around the Cape of South Africa, first time it had ever been done and brings back spices that had never been introduced into Europe before. Uh, Gaspar de Corte Real uh, makes a uh, landfall in North America so even though Columbus has already settled there, even though Uh, The Vikings, hundreds of years before, had already reached America. We are now seeing the continued movement of explorers of the age going to this new land, the new Americas, the the, the, uh, West Indies, and bringing back foodstuffs, a culture, uh, materials, possessions that had never been seen in the land before, and that information can now be distributed worldwide to those who are literate using things like the Gutenberg press in England where I am right now Henry the seventh rejects the latest crusade plan by the Pope of the time to invade the Ottoman Turk Empire France is pushing into Italy trying to reclaim northern territory land so there's still infighting with all the states of um, the uh, collected areas of Europe little bit of a personal uh, account here. The central tower of Canterbury Cathedral is actually completed in the 1500s, around 1505 if we're going to be exact. Uh, Canterbury is a big part of my history. It's where I went for university. It's also where I went for all of my graduation and there is so much about me that is to do with Canterbury. So to see it play out in history is quite a nice little callback for me. This is also the time of Da Vinci, You have him already uh, moving from art into innovation. You're seeing lots of inventions at this time. So to place it with a famous character in history, Da Vinci is at this point. It's kind of fitting that we're in Voyager because Da Vinci will play a part in Catherine Janeway's story. So again, it's a nice little callback to Star Trek as well. The Middle East, we have the Safavid dynasty in Persia. Being founded. Again, quite a a substantial dynasty there as well. As with our previous episode, we had a long uh, Sassanian dynasty. The uh, Safavid dynasty is really strong as well and ushers in the new era of Islam that we are still seeing the ramifications of today. The dynasty here is uh, founded by uh, Ishmael, who goes, goes on to become the Sultan of the region. He slaughters the Islamic Sunnis of the region. Now, Sunni and Shiite, two sort of different denominations of Islam. If Again, I'm trying to recall from my uh, philosophy days. Um, you could almost see it as Sunni being very um, exacting in the word of the Quran. The Shiites see it more metaphorical. It's not exactly the same, but you could liken it to perhaps the difference between a Catholic and a Protestant. A Catholic taking the word of the Bible so seriously and matter-of-factly as the word of God. And then you have the Protestants who are trying to break away from that tradition, who see it much more metaphorically as a way of life uh, and more of something that informs life, but necessarily doesn't dictate the way you live your life. In the Far East, uh, we have uh, the korean rebels of the time now we mentioned korea before uh, the japanese had invaded and taken over the the area there are so many sea changes uh, between then and now but now there is a corrupt government in korea and the korean rebels at this time overthrow that area and uh, in place their own leader and we have the uh, the yon sang Goon is the leader of the time now west africa uh, I said that I wasn't able to find quite a lot on African history for the previous region. This is the first sort of time where we really get some information here. And we have the Songhai Empire in West Africa, uh, who takes over from west side of Africa all the way up to Niger, which is a huge area that's from the Nile. Uh, and everything all the way over to West Africa. That's a huge part of the African continent, taken over by one kingdom. In South America, Machu Picchu is built under uh, Montezuma II as part of the Aztec Empire. So uh, the previous interconnected South American powers have now broken into these dynasties that have become things like the Aztec Empire, but are still far more cooperative in their way of going about uh, culture and trade and interaction than, say, their European counterparts at the time. In North America, Columbus has already arrived on the North American continent, but is now pushing far more south. He reaches Panama for the first time and even sees a game being played with a heavy black rubber bouncing ball, which will later become basketball. And so endeth the history lesson. Here we are in Dragon's Teeth from Season 6 of Voyager. As I said, we are starting at 0 minutes and 0 seconds. We open on an explosion. Some sort of energy weapon from orbit is being fired down to the surface of what looks to be a very advanced alien planet. The buildings look very advanced. They look shiny and gleaming. So we're kind of guessing that this is a, a an advanced civilization at the time of the 1500s elsewhere in the galaxy. Now it's Voyager, so it must be the Delta Quadrant. Of course, none of that information is given in this clip, but we can sort of rely on the fact that we are watching a Voyager episode to kind of give us some grounding. From the explosion, we then cut to a scene of a female alien. The prosthetics on this alien look really impressive beyond just you know a couple of nose ridges and uh, you know maybe a changed ear or two this looks like a full facial prosthesis. The, the chin is pronounced the head is is, is almost Cardassian uh, in its angles. It's, it looks like an otherworldly creature. The alien makeup is, is particularly impressive on this one. She seems frightened. She's sort of tripping over pieces of machinery and bits of metal lying on the floor. The entire cave is shaking. Now, it is a Star Trek choke. I do remember from all of, uh, of the episodes of Star Trek that everything has to happen in a cave. Uh, and we've got one right here. But this one looks like it's under attack. That's the key difference. As she's running through, she's uh, shouting out for uh, Gedrin, um, presumably another alien who she perhaps maybe loves or is an... uh, She loves or she works with. It's obviously not going to be... It's not specifically said, but we can kind of uh, take from the tone of her voice and the eagerness and the willingness to put her own safety... Aside and run through this broken landscape uh, that she's trying to find him for desperation. She finds him. She finds this Gedrin. She recognises him. She seems uh, genuinely surprised that this attack is going on. So something is clearly happening and that they weren't accounting for. Gedrin then says that he had to disconnect some pods uh, and that, that the people inside these pods are dead um, that they were taken off from a reactor now it's not clear in the way he says it whether it's um, a reactor that was powering the pods or were they powering the reactor which makes me feel that these people aren't perhaps very legit there's something odd about their characters again as I always say I've seen the episode I know what happens but if I was just going on this clip I'm already given the sense that perhaps these people aren't nice. They may be in a very they may be in a very desperate situation, but I'm not necessarily going to be siding with them. Nevertheless, he seems um, genuinely afraid for her life and wants to preserve it and so they are running towards these pods. He says that they're going to start again, that everything will be fine, then they're going to wake up in three years' time. Now, something tells me that that's not going to work out right. don't know what it might be. He places her inside one of the pods. Uh, He's reassuring her as the glass case comes over, locks in position, and you can kind of see a hazy, fuzzy version of him in the, the background of the shot, looking back on her pod as she is being sort of taken into the stasis and whatever process she's about to go through. You, can, you can't see the precise expression on his face, but you get from the way he's holding himself, the way he's looking, there is a sense of desperation and worry and concern for her. So even if we can't necessarily trust these people, they genuinely have an affection for each other. Whatever that might be. And the scene ends at 1 minute and 25 seconds. Not much to go on. Now I've located the scene. I've located a bit of history as you just heard. So we move on to continuity. Of course this scene will possibly inform the rest of the episode. But based on this so far there's nothing. There's no time travel necessarily. Now, of course, these people are being placed in a pod and they are being moved forward in time. When they wake up in what they planned to be three years' time, they would have been removed from their time period and placed elsewhere. Now, of course, they are not completely being removed from space-time and then brought back in, as in a time machine. They are still physically in the universe. They are still uh, a part of uh, resources. They would need some sort of power to power the stasis pods. So they are still affecting the world around them, even though they are not actively participating in it. But continuity-wise, there's no further impact. You know, this scene could be written as these aliens are stepping into a time portal. They could be removed from the space-time continuum and then pop back in when the Voyager episode takes place. So effectively, there is nothing that they do in this scene that will affect continuity and change the universe as we know it. So for that reason, continuity isn't strong here. And I can say that there is no impact on the further continuity of Star Trek. Alterations. Of course, you know, I'm one of those guys who, when I get a murder mystery book, I do flip to the last page. I like to know how it ends. And I like to see the journey and the mystery unfold. I know it might sound really annoying to people, it might seem unusual that a writer is saying that he likes to know how it ends at the, at the end of the story, but that's just me. I like to see how the story ends and then work my way backwards. I would like in this scene to be given all of the information just so that I can then see how the Voyager crew would work out the mystery, what was going on with the pods, What are these people? Why are they under attack? Why is it so important that these people are destroyed from whoever their attacker is? I like to get that kind of information. I know why it's not in there, because they want to keep the mystery. They want the audience to then follow alongside the Voyager crew. But sometimes it's kind of nice to know what we know that they don't know and watch them sort of figure the mystery out course i've seen the episode i know how it works out i know what's actually going to happen but from there but from there it's only a personal but it's really only a personal alteration for me i like to know the mystery before the crew do so recommendations to star trek fans we know what's about to happen it's not a great scene i mean a lot of this could be explained in exposition Uh, it could just be uh, that he is found in that pod 900 years in the future wakes up and he can then tell us that um, she was frightened and this and that and you know fill in all the background nothing really actually happens that we couldn't find out in our own time frame so to star trek fans there's really nothing more to watch here As a result, to non-Star Trek fans, there's really nothing here that's exciting. It's the background information. It perhaps is trying to manipulate you into being on the side of the character, Gedrin, and uh, the female character who is trying to find him, whose name we don't find out. So again, to non-Star Trek fans, there's really nothing to go on. And to our godlike entities in their grand rewatch, Wherever they may be, there's not much here to go on either. Again, it could all be explained with a little bit of exposition in our own time frame. So that's three no's on recommendations. All that remains is for me to set up the next episode. We are jumping back to an episode we've already had in season one. We are going to all our yesterdays back to season three of the original series. And we're going to begin at timestamp 7 minutes, 52 seconds. And this time we're going to find out what Captain Kirk was getting up to on the other side of the time portal. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll catch you in the next time stream. If you'd like to contact the show, there's now a Twitter account. Search Temporal Trek Podcast at rider.com underscore coattail or contact me directly at hitch underscore Daniel. I'm also on Instagram, daniel underscore hitch underscore writer. There's also a website with all of the timestamps you need to follow along. Go to site.com and click the Temporal Trek page link. The show is always going to be free, there's no Patreon at all, but If you wish to financially contribute to the show, feel free to find my books by searching me, Daniel Hitch, on Amazon. And we'll catch you in the next time stream. All musics used in the background of our historical section for this episode were taken from YouTube and a collection of works appropriate to the century being covered.